0: The Camp O'Gibbler History Podcast is on the air. Hello and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week on the podcast, Jeffrey Barrel Carroll. Jeff Carroll was at camp as a camper in the 60s and as a staff man through the 70s and has some great stories. Uh, He was there for a pretty raucous time with the staff guys down in the old waterfront area in the 70s, guys like uh, Jimmy Warren and Dave Scherr, who you've already heard on these very microphones, so you'll hear some of those stories. Uh, Before we get to that, first of all, OJ90 was awesome. uh, Rarely do people use the word awesome in its truest meaning, and yet... OJ90 was awesome. Uh, At last count, way over 600, (laughs) nearly 700 people came and were in the room where it happened and just got to catch up and hug each other and love each other and talk about camp and remember stories and meet guys they'd never met before and see guys they hadn't seen in 50 years before. And We had guys come from across the country, guys from other countries, guys from Joe Biden in 1928 all the way to guys who are campers today and it was an incredible feeling to be in that room and share all of that stuff you know uh, I've tried to describe it and I can simply say it's like when I used to live in in New York there'd be these nor'easters and these incredible storms and sometimes even bigger storms and the way these these storms happened uh, is that first of all all of the conditions had to be right that was the only way it would happen. And then, even then, when all the conditions were perfect for it, these storms didn't always happen. It was only when everything was set up appropriately and all the conditions were perfect, and then the magic also happened right in the middle of that perfect zone. That's when it would happen, and that's exactly what OJ90 was. It was an incredible night, and because it was so incredible, I wanted to give you a little uh, a little treat from OJ90 here before we get into the episode. During the jubilee, uh, our own Bob Nachman, who you remember from episode 74 of this very podcast. Uh, Our own Bob Nachman gave a monologue that was a huge hit, and I thought you guys might enjoy listening to it right here on the Cabo Jimbo History Podcast. So here we go. Bob Nachman from OJ90.
1: I told him what was happening, and this time, to my surprise, you know, he's Listen to at least one Ojibwe History podcast twice a week, and in no time, you'll get your mojo back. You'll be feeling better. And you know what? I did. And it's been significantly better. And Al and I are looking forward to a strong future together.
0: There we go. Unbelievable monologue from Bob Nachman. Uh, It was awesome. Room was not ready for it. Uh, They were taken by surprise. Loved it. Laughed. You could hear, obviously. Uh, I know the sound's not perfect on that, but uh, I think you can get to the gist of what's going on. And you can definitely hear how alive that crowd was for OJ90. So if you didn't make it, I'm sorry you missed it. You missed out on something incredible. But you can always check out the pictures. And there'll be eventually a little bit of video over at uh, CampoJibbleHistory.org, where you find all the good stuff from the History Project. All right, enough of that. Here we go. Let's get to the show. Jeff Carroll on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast.
2: Jeff Carroll, uh, camper, 65, 66, 67, junior counselor, 72, uh, senior counselor, 75, 76, 78, 79, and 80.
0: Nice. Now, how does a young Jeff Carroll first find out about Camp Ojibwa? A mutual friend
2: between Al and my father. Ah,
0: nice. And so did Al come over to the house and do the... No,
2: no, we just did it on the phone.
0: Did you live in Chicago at some?
2: Barrington. Hmm. Um, it was right, I think only three weeks before camp started. Oh, wow. So it was, you know, my father's friend was over and we hooked up on the phone.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. And so you head up to camp, uh, on a bus, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the first thing you remember about getting to camp?
2: Oh, just in, you know, in awe but it. it. was the, basically the first time I was away from home.
0: Hmm.
2: You know, and, you know, the six hour bus trip and then, uh, you know, arriving at camp.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty uh, breathtaking the first time yeah. you get there. I mean, you get you take it for granted a little bit after you spend a lot of summers there, but it just really is a, one of the best places on earth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what was your first cabin? Cabin 6. Cabin 6. And you remember any of your guys
2: in there? Uh, Lou Mager was the Mike Began and Steve Katz were the counselors.
0: Wow. That is an all-star crew. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, all three of which are still heavily connected to camp, right. uh, of course. Uh, Lou will be back again this summer for another summer of being our resident music director. and
2: I haven't seen Lou probably in 25 years. Nice.
0: Uh, well, if you'll be coming to the 90th summer reunion, which uh, you may or may not be, but if you are, you'll probably see Lou there. I will be there. <laughs> this is not a plug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lou came back. He... He came back with the group, the Boys of Summer guys who come up. So it's the Kermans and Barry Feldman and Ken Raffi and those guys. And he came back one year, and he loved being back, and he had time. And Denny just got the idea to pitch him on coming back to run the Jubilee, and here we are. (laughs) So now, what about? So that's your those are your counselors. I can imagine that you have some cat stories. I yeah, I mean,
2: just the normal ones, the swimmer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, know, you could never find him as a bandit. You know, the theory is he had a, a hollowed out tree that he had up in.
0: <laughs>
2: he was never caught.
0: Just in general, now when you came into camp, did you already like sports?
2: Yeah, I was. You know, my father was a uh, sports fanatic. Ah, um, he was. He was a uh, worked for the Tribune. Well, at the time, the Chicago American, and if he wasn't going to be a news editor, he would have been a sports editor. Oh wow. Um, so, yeah, I was, you know, all the Cub games, all the, any athletic sport I could go to, he got tickets to.
0: Oh, that's great. And you mentioned a little bit before we turned on the mics about uh, that he, you got, you're you actually from Connecticut, and he was uh, a New York guy. Right. So was it New York sports, or was it Chicago sports, or oh, was it everything? No, no,
2: he uh, he could never call the San Francisco Giants the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> it was when they came into the town, it was the Giants are in town. Do you want to go to the game?
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, spending a little time up there, you learn uh, it's a different kind of fandom. You know, I'm from Kentucky. And so for us, college basketball is like life. It is, you know, when they lose, the whole state takes a day off like we're done. Um, And it's the same for Yankee, but Yankees and Red Sox baseball. Uh, So living there, I get to see that. And I'm learning a little bit now here with the Cubs.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's... You know, either a Cub fan or you know, you're not a fan of baseball. <laughs> right. Sorry, White right. Sox. Right.
0: Uh, the Mets get the same treatment, so I understand that definitely. Uh, so that's great. So you already like sports. You come in, and what are your favorite things right away? I mean, they they throw you in the deep end with a lot of sports and swimming and all that nonsense. What do you like right away?
2: This sports. I mean, I was I grew up with, with a with a pool, so I mean, I was ah. comfortable with the with the water. I wasn't a problem. Yeah. But just the constant sports, the you know. The everyday sports and completely active.
0: Yeah, for sure. They definitely keep you busy. Now, your your day starts, of course, with the classic dip or shower. Right. Uh, were you a dip guy or a shower guy? I was a dip guy. I like the cold water. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's usually not the answer. Usually, the dip guy is like it was quick, but I like the cold water is rarely the answer. The the lake is legitimately pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, that that doesn't even take into account the muskies. Uh, so you, you like swimming, you like the the sports. Now, after that first year, uh, what made you want to come back to camp?
2: Well, growing up in Barrington, well actually Barrington Hills, you didn't have a lot of activities. I mean, wow. you didn't have a neighbor. Oh. It was you know five acres zoning. Oh. So wow. you, you didn't even see your neighbors, and I had six sisters.
0: <laughs> Enough sense. So yeah. If it was an option
2: to go away for the summer and play sports or sit at home. It was Sure.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they're all wonderful, but a seven or eight year old boy in a house full of yeah. girls is like clawing the walls for sure. Well that explains that. So you come in, um uh what about now in those days of course Alan Pearl are still very active, a very active part of camp. What's it like uh because you said your dad had a mutual friend, did you guys, did you have sort of a personal relationship with them, or was it just camper and and directors and oh, just camper and director? Gotcha. You know, and you know, Al would be uh,
2: whenever he introduced a father who was visiting. My father would come up and visit. Hmm. It would be uh, you know my greatest friend and all that. And before camp, before I got there, I, I don't believe they ever met. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's great uh i i i wonder now you know i live in the dad's lodge so the dad's lodge is now the oldest cabin and, right. and we've run the oldest program out of there now for several years but i just uh that's a thing we we have a few dads who come up uh because they're investors or whatever so they have the right to come up to camp but in general we don't let that happen anymore and i just wonder how a different camp was when you had kind of a cheering section of dads at any given time you never had a lot of them hmm. and you know and they
2: they most of the fathers were there as campers. I see. So they knew not to interject. Gotcha. They would you know, sit on the sideline and be supportive, but they really didn't interject in the day-to-day you know, activities of counselors. I never
0: had a problem with them when nice. I was a, a counselor. Yeah, because, I mean, you can imagine that it could go the other way. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a lot of yelling and a lot of whatever. So that's awesome to hear that it wasn't so much. Going through your camp here, so what other cabins were you in along the way? Uh, counts or As a camper, uh,
2: I went second year Cabin 8 and third year Cabin 9. Nice.
0: And so you, you, you wrap your camper experience up. Well, first of all, I should ask, um, the most important sporting event, of course, in the world happens on the, the shores of Catfish Lake. Uh, as a camper, were you lucky enough to win the week? Uh,
2: yeah. No. I finished second one year.
0: Oh, okay. Well,
2: it's still a trophy. It, well, <laughs> and there's a story behind the trophy.
0: <laughs> Please tell me
2: more. Uh, my mother, after my father... Um, After all the kids got married, and it was just me and two younger sisters, they sold the Barrington Hills house, Mm. um, way too much property, way too big of a house. And so they had a garage sale. And I wasn't around at the time. I was in the service. And they sold my second place trophy at the garage sale for for 50 cents.
0: Oh, wow.
2: They also sold a brand new Duke football. (laughs) For 50 cents.
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah. If you're out there and you are the owner of Jeff Carroll's second place trophy in collegiate week, the History Project will proudly pay you 50 cents for it. Yeah. yeah. Just give us a call.
2: I still remind my mother. You know, she's 100 years old this summer. Wow. Um, Congrats to her. <laughs> yeah. And still sharp as a whip. And uh, I will remind her this summer in front of my boys um, <laughs> selling my trophy.
0: That is brutal. So your camper days are over, and then you have a little break before you come back as a junior counselor. Right. Uh, what was that for?
2: The the break, or why did I come back?
0: Uh, well let's let's do them both. How about the break?
2: The break was as I you know my older sisters were getting married, ah, and it was becoming increasingly more. My parents were relying on me more. Gotcha. Uh, to mow ten, we actually had ten acres, so Oof. to mow ten acres of grass and take care of the stuff around the house. Yeah,
0: that alone, that's a full-time job for the yeah, summer, Yeah, you never sure. get
2: done mowing 10 acres.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, and I'm sure you didn't have some luxurious riding mower. You were out there just pushing it. Well, no, we had a small rider. Okay, all right. That's, but you,
2: you were still never you're done. You still, it
0: was never finished. <laughs> uh, and then, so the time passes, but then you were able to come back. So what what makes that happen?
2: I had a lot of fun in high school. Mm. Uh, way too much fun. I see. And I could have gone to any state school in, uh, in Illinois. Um, uh, but I just went to my father and I said, it's going to be a waste of your money to send me to school. Um, I want to join the Navy. Mm. So I joined the service contingent on the fact that I was going to join it, but I wanted to go back to camp for that summer.
0: Oh, nice. So,
2: you know, I, I enlisted and went in, in September. Uh, but after going back to camp.
0: Wow. Very cool. So, Camp. I mean, so that year at camp has got to mean a lot. I mean, you know, you're going to the service now. What year, what year are we talking about? This was seventy-two. Okay. So, is are they is the Navy actively in action at that point? Or are they still the Navy? Vietnam wasn't getting cleared up. Or? Well, the,
2: Vietnam didn't end in seventy-five, but the Navy really wasn't involved because right. North Vietnam didn't have a Navy. Sure. So that's why I, I chose the Navy. Um, but it was still you know there.
0: Right. Right, and and tensions were still high on a global yeah. scale, and, and, I mean, you have a lot of stuff it wasn't that long, that far removed from the Bay of Pigs and all kinds of nonsense. Right, so.
2: and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the tension at home for the Vietnam Vets. Yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, it's interesting. As a camper, did you see or did you have any connection to other staff guys that were serving or, or either got drafted or anything like that? No, no. Because I, I think that's an interesting aspect of camp. We haven't talked about it a lot, and I think it happened less with Nam than it did in uh, – in World War II. In World War II, there were guys who got called up mid-summer at right. camp and they would just, you know, they'd have to go and and so I think the kids had to sort of confront it in a more personal way than they normally would have and I, I wonder about sort of the Vietnam period if, if that was the same or if it was a little less. Um,
2: I, I, well, it was less because in, in Nam, you didn't get the phone call and you had to leave in the next day. Right. Um, you know, I enlisted and I, you know, I, 60 days away. Hmm. Um, And now it's even more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. So you get to come back and you're having that, you're like, okay, I'm going to get one more great summer. This is going to be amazing. Uh, What's it like to be a JC all of a sudden? Different. (laughs) I'd say it's much different than being a camper.
2: (laughs) You know, you have a lot more, you know, the dining responsibilities and now the, the cabin responsibilities. Yeah. Um, but It was different. It was good.
0: Yeah. Who were your uh, SCs with you, or SC probably with you?
2: Well, I was in cabin one, and the SC was a guy by the name of Dave Otley. Okay. Um, He only lasted half the summer.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, I don't think I've heard that name before.
2: (laughs) Dave Otley was, he carried a lasso with him, a lariat. Oh. And, you know for some unknown reason, and one, uh, we went to Porcupine Mountains on a camp out, mm. camp trip. I had been there all three years as, as a camper. I think in 65, uh, we were the first cabin that ever went there. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, have you ever been there?
0: Uh, I've, I haven't been encamped. I've been up and sort of seen the area.
2: Well, there's a lookout area that you walk out to, and then you can look out over the uh, cliffs oh, nice. down to the lake. And then there's a trail to lead you down to the lake. Okay. Well, Dave thought it would be a lot more fun to use his lariat to climb down the face. Oh, boy. Uh, got about maybe a third of the way, got stuck. <laughs> they had to call the rescue team. Oh, wow. To come out and, you know, to pull him back up. Right. So, yeah, he, uh, he, he. He didn't last.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see. We, we see the kind of decision-making that this man yeah. was uh, <laughs> capable of.
2: And then uh, I think it was Ricky Patter. Mm. They moved into the cabin.
0: Nice. The Patter boys, I, uh, I only met the Patter boys about a year ago. I met Ricky out in L.A. when I was on, on the road doing interviews. Uh, and then that led me to meeting Rob. And uh, Rob has been very generous with camp, uh, giving us a Subaru. It's a little plug for Evanston, Subaru, and Skokie. Uh, or is it the other way around? Um, with, with all the camp pictures and things for the OJ90 thing. So I've been driving that around. Um, okay. I don't know if you saw it in the parking lot. It's hard to miss. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I looked for it, though. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I heard they were real cut-ups, at, uh, real characters at yeah, camp. Yeah, it, it was Ricky.
2: I mean, I don't, that's so long ago. I know it was a patter. Yeah.
0: Uh, so you come back, you have that year. Now, are you getting to play on the teams as well as a JC? Just the, the
2: um, pineapple.
0: Right, 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 right. Uh, And then when it comes to the week that year, do you get to coach?
2: No. That ah, was tough. Being someone who, uh, you know, no one was really familiar with. Right. Um, I was a football ref.
0: Ah, yeah, that does not play in your favor to take a couple years off. and no. then Yeah, that's tough. So you enjoy that summer. You go away, going go into the Navy. How's the Navy? <laughs> I've heard it in saw so- now the village people is pretty much the extent of what I know about the navy. So it was, it was
2: interesting. It was fun. Yeah. Um, How long did you serve? A little over two years. Okay. Uh, I was a uh, radar man. Oh, nice. Um, so it was. It was good. It was yeah. good for me.
0: Yeah. Very nice. So you do that, and then you come back home. And did you know were you, While you were in the navy, were you thinking, man, when I get back home, I'm going to do another year at camp.
2: It, it really didn't, you know, I, I didn't put that as a goal. I knew it was there, and I knew it, was, it would be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and uh, I went to Harper College, um, and I fortunately had a summer job or a, a part-time job in a small retail store in Barrington. It was one full-time person three part-time people, and the owner said, you know, I don't have enough hours to... To keep three part-time people for the summer, and my hand went up, and I said, hey, I, I can take the summers off. It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. So yeah, I was able to go back to camp and come back, and the job was waiting for me.
0: Nice. So you go back to camp, and it, that's 70... 75. Five. So you go back to camp, 75. And now in the late 70s, there were some characters at camp. Um, you're probably one of them is what we're going to come around to, but <laughs> tell me about some of the other guys who were there who uh who you were buddies with
2: well in seventy five I you know Dave Berkey and I shared a cabin mm. um, we had a Swedish counselor bjorn Gupsson I believe his name was
0: okay now was that unusual at the time to have someone
2: that was I don't know you know lately how it's been, but back in the seventies they always had uh counselors from Europe it was oh, an exchange okay. program I got gotcha. you um there was one guy from England that was there for years, David Smith, I believe. Okay. When he was from England. But, uh, yeah, they had an, ex- an exchange program. Very cool. And this was right when the lacrosse boys, they started coming in. I see.
0: And by that, if you don't know at home, that's uh, basically them recruiting from college, right. from lacrosse in Wisconsin. Um, so guys who maybe hadn't been to camp, hadn't been to camp definitely, and certainly not to Camp Ojibwa. And coming in just as a college job. Right. Which is very similar to how I came in eventually. It was um, over the years we've gone in cycles. Since that time, that was sort of the beginning of doing that. And then it would switch back and forth between not needing to hire college guys and then needing to hire college guys. So <clears throat> I'm glad that I ended up at the right time. <laughs> uh, so you, you come back in 75. And also in 75, I mean, when I talk to guys from the 70s, the sort of going out at night and the, the outside of camp part of the job. Basically yeah, It becomes Harry's. a little more Right, <laughs> It's more of an institution with yeah. Harry's primarily.
2: Yeah. We were uh, a fixture at Harry's. Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
0: Now, is Harry's is, is there a Harry?
2: There is, was at the time. I see. I believe uh, he's since relocated mm. to a very small quarters.
0: I see. <laughs> I see. The kind that's probably cold. Yeah. The bars. <laughs> oh, oh, that kind. Of, that's even worse. I thought you meant like one under the ground. Uh, oh, sorry, Harry. Well, you probably earned it, I guess. Uh, Harry's uh, later on became in-laws. Um, and in-laws was still an institution for camp until uh, well after I started, into the early 2000s. And then uh, it, some people bought it out and they moved it and they tried to open something else there. And it's... These days, it's just sitting there empty, waiting to be leased. I tell the guys every year, I was like, "Why don't, why don't just some of you spend the summer working there, yeah. come up, lease the bar for something? You'll make ten times as much money, and you don't have to do any work, and you can still hang out with camp guys all the time.
2: And all your drinks are free. And
0: all your drinks are free. You probably live there. I think it comes with a, a room. In there the is, back. Yeah. There,
2: Well, there is a house right behind. Yeah. It. So
0: I think the lease gets, gets you the whole deal. And how much can it be? Like a thousand bucks a month? Hmm. I'm pretty sure you can make that back. <laughs> Uh, now also during that time, uh, is Dave share there, Dave? That was the first year I met Dave. 75. I and tell me a little bit about Dave. Now I, w- I will tell you just to lead into it that Dave and I have sat in these mics and we have had an interview and the recorded interview that went out on the air was probably about 45 minutes long. We recorded somewhere around three and a half hours.
2: I'm surprised (laughs) that it was only that.
0: (laughs) Just, uh, there were several stories that couldn't quite make the public airwaves, but tell me a little bit about your experience with the Well,
2: him being in the waterfront, I'm sure his stories are are much more uh, involved than anything I could be in the cabin.
0: Sure. You can get away with a little bit more down at the shack.
2: Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, we had a lot of fun. He was crazy. Uh, the uh, torch up his ass. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Let's go back. <laughs> what exactly does that mean? <laughs>
2: well, the July 4th fireworks. Okay. He, uh, you know, we, we we would have an entrance every year.
0: I see. And you when know. you say you're talking about the, you're the crew that's going to light
2: the fireworks. And we,
0: in those days, they, we, we don't do it anymore. We use mortars and we shot off mortars into the air. That's what we display.
2: That's what we did. Yeah. And it was, you know, commercial-grade fireworks. Nice. Um, but the, the thing was you always had to introduce the fireworks crew.
0: Okay.
2: Um, and this one year, Dave wanted a uh, – we built a slip and slide. Um, Dave extended it, and, you know, when we talked before. It wasn't to the, the shower house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was about – 60 feet long, 40, wow. 40 to 60 feet long. Okay,
0: so a 60 feet long slip and slide. Now, where is it coming from, and where is it going? It's coming from basically uh, left center field okay, on the main diamond. And then headed toward
2: the beach. Headed toward the beach, over the road. Then we built a sandbank <laughs> over the white fence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I can't imagine anything could go wrong. <laughs>
2: Well Dave had this I forget what they called sparklers and that's what we used okay and he put on uh, his, his bathing suit and shoved a sparkler up his ass <laughs> and proceeded to be the first one over the slip and slide I see <laughs> you know we baby oiled ourselves down we sure made this the slip and slide as slick as possible. Um, because at the, this one year I was in charge of the crew, I went last. Okay. And I'm a, a big guy. Sure. And everyone else in front of me had gone and compacted the sand down. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> in front of the fence. Uh, so by the time I got there, I only went halfway over the fence. <laughs> and it was all fence. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, fairly painful.
0: Nice. Very nice. So uh, definitely some shenanigans going on.
2: Well, our first, I had a mo- my motorcycle up there. That oh. Year, and the, uh, the first idea was to have all seven of us come in on the motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling two wagons alongside. With, sure. You know, guys sitting in front of me and guy sitting behind me. But with the amount of speed, I couldn't, I couldn't get the speed up. Gotcha. <laughs> to maintain the balance. <laughs>
0: That's probably for the best for everybody. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that seems like a little more of a disaster waiting to happen. Oh, just waiting to happen. <laughs> I have noticed uh when I when I was hired on my contract, one of the rules on the contract specifically was no motorcycles at camp.
2: Well, this was back in the early '70s, so I can't believe that yeah. it was because of my bike.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Someone else messed that up for everybody. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like you, you had a pretty good time when you came back as a senior counselor, you'd, you'd come in and you'd enjoyed camp as a camper, certainly. And your JC year was fun, but now you're, you're a senior counselor. Well, you and- get more, you, as you build up and
2: you build a rapport, you get, you get more responsibilities. Yeah. You know, in charge of the fireworks crew, I was, you know, a gold rush bandit. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, so as, as you get more involved with the camp atmosphere, you get to do more of the fun things, Garbage Duty. Oh, <laughs> was, sure. That was a privilege. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is uh, What exactly is involved with
2: Garbage Duty? Um, I don't know if they have the green truck there anymore.
0: Oh, they do, actually. It was redone. Futransky bought it and completely had it restored. Huh. Um, so it's okay. around and it's beautiful.
2: Well, back then it wasn't. <laughs> 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 um, garbage Duty was on the on the... The camp picnic days, like Gold Rush Day, oh. Circus Day, when the kitchen staff was off. I got you. So you were one of the select few who uh, go around and picked up the garbage uh, in the green and take it to the dump.
0: Now, by the dump, you don't just mean where the dumpsters are. No, you? no. We took no, it no. to
2: the village, the city dump.
0: Wow. <laughs> okay. I can see where that would be a little bit of a treat.
2: Yeah. And the object was to try and, you know... Get there as fast as possible. I see. And so you're in the back of this of the green holding on for your dear
0: life. On top of piles of garbage. On top well. of piles of garbage. <laughs>
2: That's fantastic. I'm not gonna tell you who drove it.
0: <laughs> to protect the innocent
2: or no, to protect me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
2: I had arranged a golf cart for Caesar okay. for the Ojibwe games.
0: Okay.
2: And had there not been a golf cart? There had not been a golf cart. Oh, I see. This was the first year that we, you know, I went to one of the golf courses in town and I don't know how I finagled it, but I got a golf cart for two days. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how they got it to the campgrounds. I don't think we picked it up, Hmm. but we had to return it. Okay. So the idea was to get a piece of plywood, um, Against the tailgate of the brown. Is the brown still there?
0: Uh it, it is. And it and it still gets used pretty actively. But
2: whoever had backed the brown up had left it in neutral. Oh boy. <laughs> and I was closest to the tailgate, so the the largest gap right. in space. Well as I started pushing this up and I grabbed my end of it, the truck moved. And the board came down on my foot. I was wearing sandals, and I, of course, you know, explained my displeasure. And (laughs)
0: very calmly, without they all
2: jumped on the board (laughs) (laughs) to see what was wrong. (laughs) So yeah, and uh, I lost a toenail that year. Oh, Oh. but
0: nothing broke. Wow, (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic. Uh, So, yeah, so definitely it sounds like you're having a good time. Now, when you came back as a counselor, uh, did you get to uh, coach the week?
2: I coached the week a couple times. Nice. How'd you do? Uh, The first time, not so well. Second time, I finished fifth. Okay. We should have done better. I mean, I won every junior or every senior event, didn't win any junior events. Ah. You know, one stunt night or placed, placed in song, placed in track. I mean, everything, but... The junior, soccer.
0: Yeah. nice, uh, and also uh, were you during the races of the season? Were you coaching and things like that, or just mostly officiating? No, 75, uh, 76,
2: I did all the coaching, all the oh, nice, all the act, all the, all the um, leagues.
0: Very nice. Now during that time, do you have any campers that you're particularly close with? Anyone like you really clicked with along the way? A few. I mean, I again. Um,
2: being old and senile, I don't remember her last name. Sure. Um, but
0: yeah, there are, there are a few of them. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I've learned in my time, you know, I've been at camp, uh, I'll get to 20 eventually, but seven, 16, 17 years. And, and um, <clears throat> I've had very few kids that I didn't like. I mean, that I just, we didn't get along at all. And then 95% of the kids fall into the, hey, we had a great time. I really like those guys. It was cool. Everything's great. And then you have that 5% that you're just like best buddies. Like you just click right away. Well,
2: there's a couple kids their first year. I, I nicknamed them. And the last I heard is the nicknames are still existing. Oh boy. Well, I had no, I had two Stephen A. Shapiros in my cabin. Okay. That's confusing. Yeah. It wasn't going to (laughs) work. So I named one essay. Oh, nice. And last I heard, he was still going by SA. Very nice. And then there was one ca- camper that looked just like Norton from the Honeymooners. Oh, sure. So, of course, he's Norton. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I just put up a poll online um, for the History Project looking for great camp nicknames. Um, I want to do a little something for the event, talking about the different nicknames over the years. But it is amazing. Um, and, in fact, the guy who his podcast was posted today was Barry Cohen, who was Ziffle, which I don't yeah, know if you guys cross paths. But one of those guys who the nickname took over, and it's always the the tiniest little story that turns into the biggest nickname that lasts forever. Um, we had a guy a few years ago who, the chef introduced the idea of doing soup every day at camp, and that we hadn't really done that or it wasn't it wasn't a big deal if we did. And suddenly the chef was very good at making soup, and his soups were really spectacular. So that year people were really into the soup, and he would make a corn chowder that was great. And there was this one kid, and he just. Really liked the corn chowder And that's it That's the whole story yeah. But two of his cabin mates Were giving him A hard time one day Because he was really Enjoying his chowder And then suddenly Chowder was his nickname And it was his nickname To this day he had, Forever. There was a cheer mm. There was all kinds of stuff And he hated it He was like That's not really That's not my name I don't really. <laughs> uh, But that's camp Yep That's what it is So you come back You you have a staff career um, Now your last year Do you know It's going to be Your last year Or was it still Like you'd come And just see how it went in the
2: uh, season? You're talking about the break? I went there seventy five, seventy six, 75, 76. And I was not there in 77.
0: Right. Well, I just mean like as uh, your very last year, did you know it was going to be your very last year? I knew it was going to
2: be my last year. Gotcha.
0: Because I think that changes things a little bit for someone coming in, kind of knowing it and being able to soak well, it in yeah, a little bit. That
2: summer 80, uh, I knew that was my last year. Um, just one more year of college. And I actually got my fiance a job. She was part of the kitchen staff oh that that's year. great so that's, uh,
0: that's a key move on your part <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah there's stories there we cannot go into sure of course um, <laughs> but needless to say I you know it was very easy for them to have me my laundry done that year. Yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is not a euphemism, folks. He actually means his dirty T-shirts. So that's a hundred percent it. Um, yes, I can see where that would have a lot of perks um, to be able to have that situation set up, and that's that's tough to pull off these days. Uh, m- we have a situation now where most of our kitchen staff are foreign exchange situations, so it would be even harder to pull off because we just don't hire American girls for almost anything except well, nurses.
2: Yeah, you know, my uh, well now my ex wife, but. She had a park and rec degree,
0: ah. so she
2: had to do something perfect, and this wasn't an internship that had that was something else yeah, but she had to have a summer connected to something, so it, it gave her you know it helped her out that's
0: great, nice and so uh, then you go on now, you said you have you have boys, uh, yeah. did your kids go to camp? No fair enough.
2: Um, my son's different from me is that they're very, very, very athletic. Mm. Um, You know, my older son played college football. Uh, He was ranked in the state in high school in wrestling. Nice. Um, He was on the the Peter basketball team in 6th and 7th grade and 8th grade in Hoffman Estate. So being where he was going, not to be able to put him behind other kids, I had to put him in the the special programs. Sure, of course, of course. The programs, the youth football program started August 1st. And there were requirements yeah. for conditioning before he would be allowed to do any contact.
0: Yeah, for sure. So
2: that would have put him t- two to three weeks behind the other kids.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, that story is it happens a lot with some of our kids. You know, and well,
2: it's more specialized <coughs> today. It, that's exactly what it is. What it, you know, I grew up all you all you had was little league, right. Now you have you know wrestling is is you know full time.
0: Yeah, and these guys they get into if they were specialized they get into that sport before they would ever come to camp age wise. They're already doing that stuff at five six seven years old, and you know at camp we really don't get there until you're about ten. So yeah, yeah.
2: So it was unfortunate. I wanted to sure, um, but I just I just couldn't.
0: Have you ever uh, have you been back at all to visit I, or anything? I've been back a
2: few times. You know, last time was. 20 years ago or oh. uh, 18 years ago, David and I went up for a pre-camp um, for the, uh,
0: it was the old timers collegiate week thing. Yeah. Oh, champ camp or whatever. Yeah.
2: Nice. Um, That's fun. And, yeah. And there was a time before that uh, I was up there for a weekend. Well, there's a couple of times I've been up there.
0: Nice. Well, the door is always open and uh, come visit anytime. Um, certainly come to post-camp and just drop in, have lunch, whatever. <laughs> I wanted to bring my boys up there, to, you know,
2: uh, for a day or two, um, but now they're again. My youngest son is actually a, a football coach at Eastern Illinois. Oh wow, nice! So he barely has time to even come up to breathe.
0: That's yeah. You
2: know, I see Especially him for summer. Yeah, I see him for a spring break. Uh, he came home for three days. At Christmas, he was home for four days. Mm. You know, he's been up here. In fact, uh, one time when you and I were. were uh, uh, the first uh, poker game, hmm. he actually came up that night and was staying about five miles from Dave's house, but he was on a recruiting trip. Oh, because wow. the, the northern Chicago is his uh, area is, is his recruiting responsibility. I see. Yeah,
0: that's the Salukis, the Eastern Illinois. Is that Salukis? No, the
2: Panthers. Oh, right. I get my various Illinois. Yeah. that's their their claim to fame right now is Tony Romo. Ah, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh,
0: Well, not too shabby. (laughs) (laughs) My
2: son was actually on the coaching staff with Garoppolo.
0: That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, So sort of heading towards wrapping it up, there's always two things I ask at the end. So first, uh, I'll preface one so you can think about a little bit now. And the last thing I will ask you is is for one more great camp story. But before I ask you that, uh, now that you're a grown up and you've you've had a few years under your belt, how would you say that your time at Camp Ojibwe affected your life?
2: Oh, it affected a great deal. You know, you, you're talking 20, 21-year-old kids, really, who are suddenly thrust into an area of responsibility. And Al and Pearl and Mickey had no hesitation about giving you that responsibility and letting you run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, it's, it's, you know, you look at it, 20 years old, now you've got 16 kids. Looking at you, and it you're you're responsible for them. Yeah, you know you had no adult supervision, so yeah. I mean it, it made you grow up. It made you you know accept responsibility and accept uh, your actions. Nice,
0: very nice. Okay, this is it. Tell me one more great camp story.
2: Well, this is again, it's going to be David. <laughs> um, this one I can I can say, when my Ex-wife was part of the kitchen staff. The kitchen staff was very close. Hmm. They actually named the cabins cabin thirteen, no cabin fourteen. Ah, and put up name plaques and everything. Um, and Dave, because he you know knew my knew my uh, Susan was her name, um, would always and he interject himself in with the with the kitchen staff. So one night they had me take David out to Harry's. And they proceeded to go into the water shack, grab all of his underwear, and sew the fly shut. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, I think that's a perfect ending. <laughs> uh, Jeff, thank you so much for doing this. This well, was thank awesome. You. Thank you for taking the time. Did we miss anything?
2: No, I don't think so. Awesome.
0: All right. Thanks. Okay, there we go. Another one in the books. Jeffrey Barrow Carroll. Great stories. He did reveal the driver's name to me after the fact, and he's right. He shouldn't say it to protect himself. (laughs) Uh, As always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how. Drop me an email, christopher at campojibohistory.org, or just swing by the website and check out some of the new stuff that we posted from OJ90. Check out, of course, the Warrior Collection, which is now complete. If you were missing those late 60s, early 70s books, they are there, and they are ready to be looked at. Now, and when I say that, do I mean late 70s and early 80s? That's probably what I meant. Uh, Thank you. Thank you all for making OJ90 so awesome. Thank you for, I haven't really taken the time since the 100th episode because we were cranking up for the 90th, but thank you for making the podcast and the project so awesome. It's all about you guys, and you guys have done an amazing job, and to come to OJ90 and see the outpouring and love for what this has been was overwhelming. So thank you. And I'll see you guys next week.